I was talking to my mom today and we only talk like every three weeks now and she always acts like that's a long time but I'm like you've been traveling so she's like always on a cruise you know and so she sometimes will get excited about something from the cruise that she wants to tell me about and today's thing like sometimes it'll be a comic. Usually it's a comedian that she's that she loved, and she is so excited that she actually a cruise ship comedian. Cruise ship comedian. It's, I it. always assume I would probably not care for at least the comedy they were doing there, if not the comedian at all. But she'll get so excited, and she is has a bad taste. You know, she doesn't have a good sense of humor. So whatever. But it's cute that she's trying to connect with me at all. Usually, you know. But this time she was excited to tell me about this cellist chick that she said like reminded her of me. Um, okay, that's cute. Yeah, and she said she would see her. She was like, she was so good at the show. It was beautiful. She was some like kind a of, boy lesbian yo-yo ma. Well, <laughs> see, that's what I, that's, I assume. I'm like, if she reminded her, like, was this a lesbian? Was it, you know what I mean? Is my mom doing that kind of? Like, so I'm like, is this a lesbian? And she said she would see her, like, off in a corner, kind of like by herself sometimes. Or she, I can't remember. She, and she would say she just wanted to like pick her up and hold her and hug her, which I was like, that's so interesting because you're not affectionate like that in real life. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> With me, you know, not since I was five. But okay, you have this... <laughs> You have this impulse to go and hug her and stuff. And she was like, and, you know, most of the musicians, because I guess there was, I can't remember where she said, some New York musician situation, um, they had them all on this cruise. And she said most of the musicians between songs would just kind of say, okay, and now I'm going to do this song. But this one, she would kind of ad lib and be a little funny, you know, how musicians are sometimes. And she Mm -hmm. said her ad libbing reminded uh, her of me. And so I was like, okay, this is cute. And then she just kind of almost was seeming to be like, you know, you know, maybe I should look her up and connect y'all in some way. And I'm like, I wonder if, is my mom trying, trying to, to hook, hook me, me up? up? Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's what it seems like, hey, maybe you should, if you're ever in New York, you should just, you know, see what she's up to. So yeah. you can just see some of her stuff. Or- like I said, she's trying to get me to like reach out and email some comedians before just to be like, Oh, you know, uh, there was like a, a Mormon pianist comedian. She wanted me to, you know what I mean? Like some dude, but this was the first time where I was like, holy shit. Is my mom even on like a subconscious level thinking like going, this chick might, you know, maybe Ariel would like this Or just chick? like not even that, but like, you know, your mom's searching for somebody who fits her uh, specifications of what would be acceptable for you to date or marry someday. So like, well, if Ariel's oh, going to marry a woman, cellist. this cellist would be probably the best option. They fulfill all these criteria. That's right. Yeah. So why not just... My mom's finally starting to get that like instinct, matchmaker instinct. I hope so. That's so cute if she is. Um, well, I'd fuck a cellist. Talk about oh, two ta- fingers. Well, that's yeah, exactly. Well, and then this <laughs> my, uh, apparently this this girl Leah Lee something like that. Uh, apparently, she said my mom talked to her at some point, and she said that you know she told her about me, and then she said that uh, the, the cellist said that if she hadn't been a cellist, she thought about being a stand up. And so I was like, that's funny. Like, I've always wanted to play a cello, like, hey, hey, or the hey. violin, but or the cello. I'm like, okay. Let's make some dreams come true. Let's find Lee, the violinist in New York. I don't know. My mom's supposed to try to figure it out for me. I was like, you know, I can probably find this chick. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be that hard to probably just reach out to this chick. Yeah. Find so, the cruise line, find the performer, hunt down their Facebook. I can, if I can find her Instagram or something. Yeah. Like, I, I can be like, hey, you met my mom, <laughs> you know. 
Let's see if she's cute. You like pussy? Dude. <laughs> I'm so curious to see too. Like, yeah, does she kind of look like me? Does she look gay? Is is my mom? She had to have read a little like, queer. I always wonder when my mom says someone reminded her of me. I always wonder. I'm like, uh, is there a gay thing going on? Or yeah, because it could. Cause I never be, get to meet these people. Yeah, it could be your mom reading into somebody her idealized version of you. Yeah. That doesn't actually exist, like the version of you in your mom's head that, that you are, yeah. right? But you're not actually. So she's like, oh, she reminded me of you. But yeah. really, no. Yeah. You know? Could be. <laughs> I'm fascinated to see one way or another. I think we need to do some snooping now. Yeah. Well, I had just decided that um, my my goal marriage is like me and three or four long hairs instead of my... Seven person, seven one person. dick. One one dick person, uh, another of me, and and three long hairs. Um, that was the old version. And then I'm just like, maybe you know, it'd just be so cute if I just became a polygamous man, basically. <coughs> mm, yes, we had this uh, we had this conversation, but I don't yeah. think on gender fluids. Not on gender fluids. Well, you should be a polygamous it man. It would be so fun. I mean, I wonder if my parents would be proud. Yeah, because in a way, you're embracing your Mormonism. Exactly. Like exactly as a as a Mormon kid, I was so offended by the idea of polygamy because I was thinking about it from the girl's perspective and <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but, no. but also but, but hold on <laughs> and so because mormons while they don't practice polygamy anymore and in fact the official lds church will um excommunicate you if you're found to be practicing it and it's really fucked up because then they go convert people in africa and shit where they just do they have polygamy in their countries and then they have they make them give up all their wives but one in order to become mormons now because of that because they had to do that in 1890, so you could talk could get statehood, and now they're breaking up marriages in Africa. But mm-hmm. anyway, but Mormons <laughs> believe that <laughs> Mormons do believe that in the afterlife they'll have polygamy, um, that you can get sealed um, even on even in this life. If a ma- if a if a woman dies, if a wife dies, then a man could get sealed for time and all eternity to another woman. He can marry a chick here and then that when they die, they'll all be together. married together. Whereas if a man die, if a husband dies and a woman wants to get remarried, a Mormon woman wants to get remarried, she could get married f- for on the earth so that they could fuck basically. But you're not um, getting that in heaven. But you don't get to get sealed. You can't be a polygamous woman. It's Do you call it one. heaven? Or uh, well, it the celestial kingdom. Celestial kingdom. That's way cooler, though. Yeah. <laughs> heaven. Mm, celestial kingdom. That's a that's a prog metal band I want to listen to. That's true. <laughs> Just we are celestial kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight up call it that, yeah. Um, where was I going with it? Anyway, so, well, you, so I, I was afraid that in the, in the... Well, but I was afraid that when I died that um, I, we would be asked to take on more wives. And I was like fucking pissed about that. I was like, are you... Are you that's mm-hmm. fucked up. You're not just going to know. You don't just get to fuck. But then uh, once I got to like 16, 17 years old and I was like out to myself as gay and a few people and I started thinking, I was like, well, what if the sister wives get to fuck? It's kind of hot. Like if that's the deal, then all of a sudden this polygamy thing actually really works to my advantage, doesn't it? So yeah. yeah. I brought it up in seminary one morning. <laughs> Can you explain a thing to me? Sure. So sorry, but I, don't forget your seminary story, but like, <laughs> can you explain the term sister wives to me? Because I know there was that show and I just thought that was like a, a weird name for a show. But so that's like the name. No, that was big love anyway, but, or maybe there was a, there sister was a show called show. sister wives. Um, but there's a show, but so that's the name for 
Mormon women who are married in a polygamous kind of situation, but why is it sister wives? Okay, well, I don't know if it's specific to Mormon polygamy or not. It may be. Um, but I think that they probably named it that in order to turn the women off from fucking each other by putting that little incest taboo in there. Uh-huh. I mean, but sometimes it has happened. It might work for most people. But yeah, when- I think not, even, <laughs> not in 2019. I mean, honestly, <laughs> the reason I'm asking is because like, you're just like, do those women not fuck each other? I'm like, yeah, What's do they some- not? And then you're like, sister wise, I'm like, oh my god, do I need to be Mormon? Uh, it's it's a pretty it's hot concept. Hot. I yeah. think we should all be. Um, just if I could have like a I'm start the reformed- kind of sister wives orgy situation, that's fulfilling a lot of my sexual desires. Honestly, we you could know? start a reformed, reformed Mormon church. Maybe gender <laughs> fluid. Should st- Let's just start our own. We'll just take the good parts of it. <laughs> I'm not that. kidding. Oh, that's fucking it's, great. There's some great stuff in there. And if we just admit that humans made it up, but anyway. Okay, so sister wives, you don't know where it okay. comes from, but to but presumably to I make kn- them stop fucking each but other. But definitely it, there were times when people would have literally married sisters too, whether it was two or multiple, oh, you know, whatever. See, that's so not that, cool. I just want it in name. Well, because not it would happen a lot because of like legal stuff where uh, if a woman died and she hadn't given him a son, then he legally got to have the daughter or whatever, like various things like that. So there's all kinds of stuff where death was separating that a little bit. And then a lot of times it wasn't like it, throughout history. I mean, in different cultures and different times, all kinds of things have been acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that at some point... Everything we've turned into a kink or fetish or lifestyle now was once at some point <laughs> yeah. the, the thing that they did. Not right. all at once, but at some point, right. it was all going down. So I think sister wives probably... I mean, I don't know. I'm also just making all of this up. Um, so <laughs> in true gender fluid fashion, imagine. I don't really know, but... I imagine you know. <laughs> I've read a lot of stuff and had a lot of conversations and I imagine the truth oh, is man. that it's coming both from a place of the historical reality of actual sister wives as well as they probably did want to include a little incest taboo because um that that could be a threat to men I guess in the whole system. Anyways, so, so you my brought point this up is, in in Sunday school it, one yeah. day. Yeah, because I was all excited. <laughs> Here I was, like, starting to come out, and the thrill of, like, coming out about that's, about anything is addictive, you know? So just, like, toying with, like, saying, like, subversive stuff in seminary was just appealing to me, I guess. And so I was like, well, I mean, because <laughs> a few of the people in class, too, knew, but the teacher didn't, or at least it officially didn't, you know, um, know that I was gay, you know. So then I just brought up, like, hey, so do you think in the celestial kingdom or whatever, like, so you know how we believe that you keep your bodies? Because um, Mormons believe that heaven is, like, like it's important to them, I guess, that these bodies are real. Like, the soul, the ego, the body, it all keeps going. Yeah. It just keeps progressing. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I was like, so there's going to be sex and stuff, right? So, like... Do you think it might be acceptable do you, if, like, do you think they might all have sex together or something? <laughs> and I, the teacher was just like, uh, wow, um, I, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll think about that some and <laughs> get back to you, Ariel. <laughs> you know, just something like that, you know. That teacher's like, I'm so wet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. What is happening to me? <laughs> He's kind of cute, actually. Oh, is he? Well, he can be yeah. wet, too, if he wants. Leaking a little pre-pound. Oh, yeah. It felt right when you said it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, here's a question. Mm-hmm. 
well so i've circled point, yeah. point being now that i've circled back which I, and then in my 20s i was a very jealous and possessive person i assumed that i would not be um poly at all i, I made fun of poly people in my mind you know what i mean like the whole gamut of but then at the same time you see some appeals whatever um but so now i have circled back to this place of like no i want to be that polygamous man whose wives all fuck you know yeah I, I'm like, I just, yeah, that's my, that childhood fan. I keep finding that I'm fulfilling like childhood fantasies and stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, that was the fantasy that I had as a teenager. And I'm it's like, a good yeah. feeling though, right? Want, Is that a bad feeling? No, for you? it's a great feeling. Okay. I think it's fun to be like, oh, I think that was a goal. <laughs> like yeah. you, you have these things that happen in childhood, these ideas. And it's like, oh, that was a goal. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work toward that goal. Yeah, that happens to me all the time. Right. Where I'm like, yeah, I have moments where I look back on my life. I'll find myself in a moment and be like, Oh, I wanted this to happen years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting to do this thing. <laughs> right. Like, whether it be, like, sexual or, like, in comedy or just in life. It's like, oh, fuck, I've been waiting to have this experience. Like, It almost feels like this Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure kind of moment where you're like, oh, I just went back in time and wanted this and then made it happen. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like, uh, yeah. I was just asking if it was a good thing because I feel like some people would... Uh, try and infantilize that joy or try and like make that joy mean less than it does because of the fact that it originated from your childhood. So they would no, see I'm it such as, a child. you oh know, I shouldn't be wanting the same things that I want as a child. I should have evolved by now as opposed to enjoying those things like an adult and being, Oh my gosh, I get to finally have. Yeah. This isn't thing. that, I think that's what adulthood is. It's like, as a child, you're like, Oh, I want all these things. I don't have a lot of power to move and shake in this world, but one day I'm going to be able to have those things. And then as an adult, if you bother, you get to fulfill those things that you want, you know, whichever yeah. ones are actually important. Life's awesome. Life's awesome. <laughs> if you make it awesome. This is the Gender Fluids Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Austin Smart, a 26-year-old trans girl and bottom-leaning switch. And I'm Ariel Isaac Norman, a 32-year-old androgynous boy lesbian. And we're bringing you the only queer podcast that isn't super gay. Gender Fluids is a podcast about all the sex and all the people. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Gender Fluids Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Gender Fluids Pod. Our email is genderfluidspod at gmail.com. On FetLife, we're just Gender Fluids. And you can find us on Patreon at at patreon.com slash genderfluids. Enjoyed the episode, y'all. Can I circle back and ask you a question? Just uh-huh. a different subject, but mm-hmm. kind of a thing you talked about. <clears throat> you said that like you kind of got not addicted to, but the feeling of coming out to people was addicting mm. or had an addictive quality to it that you liked you know, that build up and experience of like getting to tell somebody something of saying subversive things in certain spaces and, mm-hmm. and subversive, not just in like, they're kind of like controversial, but they're literally like subverting like people's expectations of you because you're coming out. Right. Yeah. I'm assuming all this just yeah. off that little line, but right. So I, I don't have that experience, hmm. uh, which is so interesting to me. I 
I have never enjoyed coming out. Oh, it's always yeah. felt good afterwards, mm-hmm. but like the process of it was always a labor for me. It was always, or it was always laborious, I guess. Right. Mm. And so it was just like, it was always anxiety inducing. It was the thing that a lot of fear was surrounding. It was a yeah. thing that I just really didn't want to do. I wish I could just kind of exist and like, just let people figure out what the fuck was going on with me as opposed to having to use my words and tell them. Interesting. I savored every time I came out to anyone. Mm -mm. It's, it's always, it's always a chore. (laughs) Like to the point that like a lot of my like best friends, uh, especially like male best friends that I really clicked with in high school and college, I never came out to in any way. Like, so in high school, my best friend, his name was uh, Henry Uh and, uh, we met in marching band. He was a couple of years younger than me. Right. But he was the person that was teaching me, uh, the little differences in how they did turns and salutes mm-hmm. and about faces and whatnot. And I was just at the time identifying as, you know, I was just a gay 17 year old kid. And I never said anything about it. Eventually I just, it just kind of, he figured it out for me talking about guys or guys I was into. I guess I just made the decision. I wasn't going to come out. I wasn't going to hide myself, mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to out myself to everybody. Right. That it yeah. shouldn't be a factor. And then even once I started transitioning, I didn't really tell people what I was doing. I just started doing it Mm -hmm. and like just wanted people just to get on board with what I was doing or get out of my way. Kind of, Mm -hmm. I don't know because in a a way it felt like I shouldn't have to tell you who I am or what I'm doing. You don't really have any right to that information. Like I shouldn't have to give you this. So I'm just going to do what I want to do. If you want to ask me, you can ask me, but if not, then does it really matter? Like of of me coming out to you? Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize I had done this so much and made it a thing until my, uh, one of my best friends, Elliot was over here a couple weeks ago and we were up late and talking and listening to records, um, and drinking. And he was just like, he brought up, he's like, you know, for as long as we've been friends and all the shit we've talked about, we've never really talked about you being trans. Mm hmm. I was just like, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, fuck, whoa. Like, we really haven't. And I kind of dismissed it. And I did it because I didn't really want to, like, go there at the time. I still, I was just like, oh, you know, I, I'd rather deal. I get the answer I always gave to myself. I'd like, I'd rather live in the now. I don't really want to focus on my journey and my past and where I'm coming from. That's not how I want to, like, spend my time or the things I really want to talk about. I just kind of want to be me mm-hmm. and have my transness be, like, a background not background, but a smaller portion of like who I am when you engage with me, which I realize is naive, right? It, it's kind of a large deal of how most people deal with you. Like it's just because it's so visibly kind of like perceptible, like it's obvious kind of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And so people necessarily have to process and deal with that. So, yeah. But it was just interesting to me when you, <laughs> when you said like, Oh yeah, it's kind of an, it coming out to me had an addictive feeling to it. Cause for me it was the, op- it was kind of not repulsive, but it was, it was not fun. It was not a thing I wanted to do. Yeah, no, I think it's just really different because, um, for one thing, this was just probably, I probably only experienced that for a few years, really like in teenage years. And this is in the kind of early two thousands as a Mormon. So when mm-hmm. I'm coming out to people, it was like, there was like a little drama every time. And so no, there's been drama every time I've come out. Well, F- huge family drama every time Huge, you know, right. But that's the thing, like, which is why it's been, it, it's a hassle. That's how I feel about it. Coming out's a hassle. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, every, I don't know. I think that, but like you said, people just saw you as gay, but I mean, coming out as gay and coming out as trans are different too. So like, Coming out as gay, 
I guess, I don't know, to me, it just kind of felt fun each time, like kind of, kind of scary, but like, I just kind of enjoyed the fear of that. But that's like a kind of 16, 17 year old hmm. um, feeling, okay. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like you're talking about a little bit later for you. Well, even in high school and things like that, I guess I didn't have the opportunity to come out until I was 17 hmm. or safely come out until I was 17. Up until then, it was too small of a town and it was any inkling of it was just like physically dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. shouldn't come out. Like when I tried to come out in seventh grade as bi, mm-hmm. like my parents like told me like found out because I didn't tell them first. And they were like, you look, we love you and we accept you, but like you need to play this off as a joke, right? <laughs> like you need to play this off as you were joking around because it is not safe where we live right now. Like you cannot say that and like be safe going to school yeah and so like that that you know that was my first real coming out experience and from there it never really got better yeah that's why i don't like that it gets better campaign like it does overall it does get better but like boy you need to put an asterisk next to that it's like it gets better 15 years down the line. Right. You know, fucking 20. Like, it is a long, it gets better. Things, it does, things, but it... Things get a little oof. better all the time, but... It takes some takes some work. No, I remember, yeah, I remember when, with my first girlfriend, like, you know, somebody saw us kissing at some party, and then somebody said something at church, and then she had to, like, deny it, and then I had to deny it, and I, like, I'm hating denying it. But. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yeah, I know. But like, but coming out to the people that you could come out to, I don't know. I just, I just got. I think I just like I liked that. And, and the saying something subversive at church, like, yeah, I don't know. Th- those do seem linked to me. Huh. Like, I think I just liked that adrenaline. I mean, I know? like saying. I've always enjoyed saying subversive, fucked up things in different situations. Mm-hmm. But to me, coming out's never been one of. It's never fallen into that category. Yeah. I also think it's yeah. I, I think what it is I've always just enjoyed the act of like being out. It's like I don't I don't like the process of having to like get out. Mm-hmm. I don't like having to qualify what I'm about to do. Yeah, and I don't think I like you know because I I feel like I don't come out to people anymore. Certainly not about being gay. Mm-hmm. It's been I don't know the last time I would have really had to like. Well, thank God I'm visibly trans enough that it's not right. like a. Oh That's my what I'm God! Saying. You don't have to come out. <laughs> Can I tell you? If you look like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't have to You're come out, out if you look like us <laughs> that's a good slogan oh my god <laughs> I, I i was uh when i was on acid this weekend uh we watched like this like family guy clip for a second mm-hmm. there's a long story of why mm-hmm. i'm not just the type of person that goes to pull up a family guy clip i sure. just want to throw that out there yeah <laughs> but well, well uh, clarified. the two people i were with were really funny uh it was it was uh it was a savannah and dewey uh-huh. and so um they're funny people. And so I was like, y'all, you know, you come up with all these little like catchphrases, uh, y'all's friend group uses and they've got stuck in my head. Even I was like, fucking come up with a slogan for gender fluids that just gets stuck in totally. people's right. I know. But here's the thing. We were watching this family guy clip and they were like, we're well, at least as funny as family guy. And I was like, that's it. There we go. Gender fluids. At, <laughs> at least, least as funny as family guy. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 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 it's nice because Family Guy is FG. Anyway, there's nice, you know, yeah. so, symmetry. Yeah. But, um, oh, I had, where, where, where was I going before that? Um, oh, so coming out. So oh. I had a moment. Because, you know, here's the thing. I don't pass 
all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I kind of like that. I like being like visibly trans, so I don't have to come out to people a lot. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who, you know, believe it or not, are just <laughs> What good, about a t-shirt that says name. visibly trans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, okay. We need those. <laughs> yeah, we do need those. <laughs> Oh, that's too good. Uh, okay. Uh, who's who's so, a graphic designy kind of person who listens? Please. Oh, uh, we've got too many of them. We'll hit them up. Okay. So I'm at this punk show, this like house show punk show in the backyard the other night um, here in Austin, Texas, uh, and I don't know anybody there but the four guys in one band, right? I went there to hang out with them and see them. Uh, one of my really good friends, uh, Anthony plays guitar in the band. The band's called dress up. Y'all should listen to them. They're fucking sick. They're on band cameras, like dress up 69 or something. (laughs) They're, they're fucking great. Um, but, uh, so we're, (laughs) I'm at this show and he has to go load stuff in. I don't really know anybody. So I'm making awkward conversation with the few people he's introduced me to at this like show. And then this dude, I kind of made eyes with this one, like, dude, when he walked in. Not, like, eyes like, ooh, I want to fuck you. But just, you know, when you make eye contact, but neither one of you is going to be, like, a little bitch and look away immediately. But it's not necessarily hostile. You're just kind of, like, both, like, oh, we're just seeing each other. I gave him a little, like, sup head nod. And then we go our own ways. Well, eventually, uh, the girl he was with knew two of these guys I was kind of awkwardly making conversation with. So they come over. So mm-hmm. I introduce myself to him and then start talking to this guy. He's super cool. So I end up breaking away from that group with just him kind of just, you know, floating away. And so we're just fucking chatting, like having a good time. He didn't know anybody at the party either. He's like new in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, we just in trading life stories, like we just kind of clicked a little bit, like trading, like, so where have you been? Oh, you're just moving here from so-and-so. Oh, what'd you do out there? Oh, okay, cool. That's a cool ass job. Nice. Like, and ask him stuff. We both do drugs, uh-huh. right? And so, like, we're kind of swapping drug stories and talking about, like, you know, getting DUIs or getting busted with different things and having to go to classes and how that sucks. Uh-huh. And I, like, told, like, you know, I, I, like, at one point, I was like, you know, some of the kids I was in this drug class with, you know, they just got caught with a beer on a golf course. And I was like, you know, doing ecstasy at the time. So they were having a wild time hearing everybody else's stories in this class when we were all sharing our stories. Like, Mm. how'd you get here? And he was like, oh yeah, cool. He's like, we talked for a second. He's like, hey, so like, I don't want to be like forward or like make you uncomfortable or anything like that. And in my head, I'm like, oh, we're at the point where he feels comfortable enough with me. And he's going to be like, are you trans? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that happens. That happens. <laughs> I was immediately thinking frequently. he was going to ask if you had any drugs, but <laughs> well, that's where it went. Right. Oh. In my head, I'm so used to being like, asked, like, are, are you trans? I don't want to be, I just want to make sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, but like you mentioned ecstasy earlier. Do you know where I could find some ketamine? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was so I like you felt myself tense up you yeah know where I could find another it's yeah perfect yeah but I, I, it was such a fun experience for me because uh-huh. I was so like oh here we go and fixing up to get like yeah yeah I actually yeah I'm trans for sure yeah 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 he's like oh you know cause that happens all the time he's like you know where I can find ketamine I was like you know I really don't actually like I, if I find some or I was like let me take your number like I took his mm-hmm. number right yeah yeah and it's like, if I find anything, I'll let you know, man. But it's so nice to have it not be someone like, are you, is it, are you, are you trans? 
Because like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. that's for you. That you're asking for yourself. So all of your apologies before that are fucking pointless and void. If you're, oh, I don't want to mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to be offensive or I don't want to mm-hmm. be too forward. But are you? It's like fuck you. Don't say that. Just ask just me ask. if you're going to ask me. Because otherwise, you yeah, could just yeah. keep talking to me like a regular motherfucker, right? right? And yeah, then he asked me the for preamble. Yes, yeah, but I, but I, I'm not going to say that to anybody. I'm just going right. to be nice and polite. But to feel myself tense mm-hmm. in my chest, and then. <laughs> not have to answer that question just be sad that i can't help tell this like super nice person find ketamine i was like i don't know man this seems like the kind of crowd you, you might be able to find something in here you know yeah keep, keep ask asking. around ask around yeah it's chill, to ask. <laughs> it's chill to ask for ketamine but not if someone's trans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well no you can ask though if someone's trans yeah just don't apologize first Yeah. yeah, here's a here's the thing. Yeah, if you want to hear us uh, talk about the movie Abducted in Plain Sight and my experience <laughs> watching that and just all of our thoughts on it, it's a, a documentary about Mormon pedophiles. Uh, <laughs> in case you so, haven't seen it, yeah. Oddly, we it's not necessarily just started the episode talking about Mormons <laughs> and we ended up talking about Mormons more, but. We're not putting that in this episode, <laughs> so go to our Patreon if you want to hear it. It'll be available on our Patreon. Um, it's it's a hoot, but it is not it is not fit for public <laughs> consumption without y'all having to pay for this shit. So check that out <laughs> if you if you want. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, so, so you're too drunk and high to make what point? <laughs> well, I'm not drunk that well, I'm tipsy, but I'm not, I'm very stoned. Um, yeah, okay, so I was driving to work this morning, and so we're on Hoo this podcast network now, and the, there were two other podcasts on there, and one of the other two um, just finally started putting out episodes. Um, mm-hmm. For a while, we'd been the only people really consistently putting out things. I think they were like preparing their seasons or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, but so they finally put their first episode out and it's called woman of size. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. Um, I, I listened to it and really enjoyed it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the opposite of what we do. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the best way, like there's a reason I listen to it. And I usually listen to, like NPR in the morning or like some sort of whatever audio book I'm like listening to. Mm-hmm. I make this kind of content, not really the content I consume, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I only listen to us cause I have to edit us. Right. Uh-huh. But I'm glad other people are listening. Please keep doing that. <laughs> so I'm listening to this podcast on our network called woman of size. And, um, it was just so fun hearing something that was different from us. But at the same time, like since they were being so politically correct, right. And so conscientious and the language that they were using was very kind of like progressive. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt myself at different points kind of like naturally drawing back and naturally becoming more mentally defensive, <laughs> whatever like position they were putting out. Right. Uh-huh. Like I was oh. I, like, I had, I mean, I stopped, not, I didn't stop my car, but like I stopped the podcast and like pulled out my voice recorder and I was like, okay, I was like, I got to talk about this on gender fluids later because this is what just happened. Maybe I'll play that voice recording here. 
Okay, here's this thing for gender fluids. Um, well, just a thought in general. It's like, you know, I think the right, for as much as people like to admit that there's a backlash against it and that, you know, statistically when people are polled, the majority of Americans don't agree with all these far-right people, I still think that they are winning in a much deeper, more insidious sense than being able to be a quant- large quantitative group. I was just listening to this like podcast that's this other lady on the Hoo Ha Network that we're with, and it's uh, Woman of Size, and like I'm listening to it because I know it's not going to be my thing necessarily, but I want to see what's going on. And uh, you know they're having like right off the bat, there's like a high threshold of like assumed or needed knowledge to be able to understand like what they're talking about so far as like queer identities and like native identities and like colonial and decolonial struggles and things like that right and so I'm sitting there and that's not turning me off really like I'm you know all all there for it I'm a little about it because it's like I just don't like listening to people talk about it all the time but you know then they start when the people that uh, the first person that they had on to interview was saying that they you know these are like the marginalized identities that I like oppressed marginalized identities that I wear close to me or like you know up front something like that you know you know I'm a, I'm a colonized queer I think she said at one point and like the colonized queer thing I like I kind of vibe with but then when I hear things like oppressed and minority and marginalization you, you get this and like for me at least as like a queer person and like a marginalized person like in my experience I get this kind of like cringy worriedy feeling of like oh no like oh please don't just go there and start like rehashing all these talking points don't throw around those words like oppressed and marginalized and why, why are we doing and then I'm thinking like you know what like my reaction against this is because I, I'm constantly thinking about this conversation through the ears of somebody who doesn't hold my position. I'm constantly going like, is this something that could sway somebody? Is this something that could inform somebody that isn't informed? And I think we've been trained, and I think the right has like done a good enough job of bitching about words and phrases and people who use phrases like that to kind of demonize them enough to where it's become a third rail kind of like vernacular, right? We're not so like the leftist lexicon is no longer like a thing that can have such a wide ranging appeal, and it's fucked up because it's like I like am, think I fall into the group of people who would like to see that kind of like mentality spread, not the fucking up of the leftist lexicon, but just like, I would like to see, you know, some sort of leftist, uh, what would you call it? Just like, (laughs) I guess you could call it a wave of ideas or like paradigm shift. I don't know, some bullshit, but like, but they've done a way better job of demonizing us than we have of them, you know? 
to the point to where I don't even like hearing those words because it makes me cringe because I know that like other people are going to hear those words and it's going to like just like instantly shut down their brain like like the same way that I kind of hear a lot of right wing talking points and conservative talking points my brain just shuts down and just like no yeah here we go again I know what this argument's going to be instead of like listening and like going like oh well maybe this person actually has an argument to make that might change my mind about a thing but unfortunately it's trapped within this language that I already have like some preconceived like hatreds of or like distaste for Uh, but I think the right's winning I think they've done a better job at demonizing people who talk about that than we have done demonizing people who talk the other way anyhow Oh man, okay, so I'm high enough that I just learned some things that I forgot that I thought. No, that was perfect. I think okay. you should just just Start play there. that and then, yeah, you so, can talk about it more if you want. Yeah, so what do you think after hearing that? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, now I That was sober me at, you know, yeah. 8 a.m., not a high tipsy me at 7.45. <laughs> no, but that's exactly it. Like, when you're listening... That cringing is like, you're, I'm I'm always thinking about how are other people people are going to hear this, and so I can't even just hear something for myself because yeah, that's that feeling of like, no guys, this is embarrassing. Like other people are going to be annoyed by this. I know, and it's a strange way to listen to things. I'm like, are we all doing that? I don't know, but I don't think so. I think some people listen to the things that agree with them because they need the agreement, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a bad thing, right? I think sometimes you need that solace of people that agree mm. with you. But like, I, I mean, for me, I just struggle with like, should, should we compromise our language and the decisions we've made about it in order to appeal to people who may not necessarily like us or give a fuck about us, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, well, if you're not going to like me, should I stop talking the way I talk and using the words that I have claimed and now have to describe myself and have at least even if nobody like you know agrees with it like words like colonial and oppressed and marginalized are like more widely used now in positive or like identifying ways than they have been in, in the past mm-hmm. so should we sacrifice that for something that's more marketable that might get us further or should we stick with this language that we have that kind of annoys a lot of people and keep fighting, you know, or, mm-hmm. and because here's the thing. It's like, if we, if we switch our language, I mean, you know, what's to say that won't become annoying. What's right. to say it's like, you're not, you know, giving into terrorist demands kind of right. Like if yeah. we give into one, what are we going to give into next? Yeah. But nonetheless, it was just, it was a very weird experience. Like having that realization. Well, now I just feel like I need to listen to the, I mean, you really should. Podcast. And I think everybody should listen to Woman of Size. It was great. I really enjoyed the episode, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, you know. I mean, I think, in it, look, I think it did good. I listened to that thing within the first, you know, fucking 10 minutes. Pulled my phone out and recorded that voice mm-hmm. memo. Like, it made, it made me start thinking. Right. In my role playing news, I've been searching for some <laughs> high end cattails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no joke. It is hard to find a well made cattail out there. 
but apparently kittencream.com is where you go for them. Hmm. Um, although they don't make wooden tails anymore, apparently, which I'm bummed about. Wooden they do tails. make a weighted titanium one, which I think is the Why one Why do you want a get. wood tail? It's just a better texture, and uh, the one I've used, uh, Jess has one from them, and so I used hers when we were on molly for a little bit until it got stepped like on which was very tail like no 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 it's just like a, a like a, like a nice like well-made like you know how like you people have like nice like thick wooden salad spoons that are like of a grain wood that's like been sanded and shit you can mm. make like wooden sculptures that are smooth you can make mm. wooden butt plugs and things that are sealed and like yeah, okay. so, you know medically safe like really nice like mm-hmm. butt plugs um they're usually pretty expensive because it takes a lot of like work you know mm-hmm. but i just need something a little bit bigger um and with you know <laughs> just and it mm-hmm. looked like that had like a nice like thickness to its base as opposed to the metal ones where like the plug itself is big but like the little stem or base is kind of skinny and i like something a little thick right there mm-hmm. um so hers was nice but here's the thing it was a very cat-like experience i was wearing that i had my ears on i was on molly beautiful and then a couple of times uh, Jess and Adrian accidentally like sat on or like pinched my tail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I feel like a real cat. I was like, ah, but I was like, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like a cat. And I was like, ah. fuck. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Sweet. So I've been shopping for a cat tail, you know, but it's a lot of choices. Like what color do I pick? You know, that's kind of personal. It's going to be my tail. You don't already have a vision of the cat version of you. Well, I pulled Jess and Adrian and they had differing answers. Mm. I'm kind of leaning towards Jess's answer. Uh, Adrian said kind of like a orangey reddish, like foxy color, which I could feel. But like I'm Jess was like, I think you should do like a gray with like a pink bow in it. I'm like, hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to do the bow because I think the bow would get annoyed if I'm ever trying to just continuously mm-hmm. pet it. Also, you know, I don't want the bow brushing on my legs. I think that would annoy me if I'm not wearing mm-hmm. pants. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to do the tail. I like but I think I would like to do like gray with like a pink tip. Okay. Like a light gray with like a, like a pink tip or a pink spackling like throughout it. But we'll see. We'll see where, you know, mm-hmm. where I end up. <laughs> what's the fetish of the week tails no but i mean (laughs) i guess it could be is that a fetish you know not i mean maybe it is it's usually animal specific, but I guess, yeah, tails in general could be in and of itself a fetish. I guess I am just kind of into tails now that I think yeah, it about it. Yeah, it does seem like you're into tails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the anthropomorphized or like non-human things that I'm into fucking, mm. like theoretically mm. fucking, do have tails. Yeah. Mm. I don't, it's not, and I do follow a lot of like, or at least when there was porn on Tumblr, I did follow a lot of like people with tails blogs, like lots of people with different tail butt plugs and different like configurations and styles. And I do think it's just kind of hot. It's a little animalistic, you know, you know, like literally right. Having a tail, getting to fuck somebody with a tail, getting fucked with a tail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't really get like fucked my ass with a tail in 
because here's the thing you, they do have tails that don't get put in like butt plugs you like have a little belt that they clip on to but i'm like that's fuck that dude like if you're gonna do a tail fucking go for it mm-hmm. like you're not gonna put it in your asshole like what are you doing it's not really a tail it's just a costume well it's not <laughs> part of you not, yeah okay it's not a real tail it's not, if it's, it's not inside, inside you. you it's not a real tail Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't mean to be a tail elitist, but all these like non-plug tail wearers can go fuck themselves. Well, I guess it's yeah, not it's sexy. Kind of clip on piercing. It's kind of a embarrassing. No, that's nasty. Don't mm-hmm. pierce yourself to put a tail in. No, Just I'm, put it in your no, butt I'm plug saying like it's a like a clip person. on. It's like a clip on piercing. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's fucking a, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wait, what were we talking about? So, yeah, I guess it could be a fetish because, you know, they're really like, I've seen, so like the ta- types of tails I've seen mass manufactured, um, ponytails, lots of ponytails, foxtails, wolf tails, cat tails, puppy tails, pig tails, um, bunny tails, do, do, dragon wait. tails, the show. Uh, also, but <laughs> no, there are dragon tails. <laughs> do... You when you're wearing a a butt plug tail in, yeah. Does your top person like like fuck you with your tail? Like tug on it? Oh, can you can you? I mean, they're not like yeah, like kind of. I mean, depending on what you like want to do, but yeah, I mean, sometimes like there are tails made specifically to be tugged on. Mm-hmm. They're meant to stay in a little bit more and get you know, a little firm. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm personally not a fan of like having my tail tugged. Okay. I imagine that might be part of it. I mean, no, it definitely is. Like some people are for sure. It's a big enough part of it for some people that there are tails designed specifically to be moved. And like, you know, and back when I was doing puppy stuff, I have had people like put my puppy tail in for me. Mm-hmm. Like it, when it was more of a submissive thing, unless I'm just like a fun, we're all like with the kitten thing. Like it's not for me, at least not gone to a submissive place yet. Holy. It's more of just been like a fun laying around being kind of kitteny. But with the puppy thing, I definitely did it long enough that it went to like a very submissive place where like I would be like put down on all fours and made to be like a in my like puppy position and they would like put the tail in me and then there would be some playing with the tail, like kind of fucking me with the like bulb and then kind of like, you know, jiggling it once it's inside and mm-hmm. then letting it settle in, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the most I've ever had happen to me. But I definitely know it is a thing for other people. Um but I mean that's why I took it out. You know, that night when I was on ecstasy is because people kept stepping on it, kind of sitting on it while we were on the bed. And it was like, oh, yeah, I don't want, I just want it to be there. I don't want it to be pulled on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah. So I think kind of eight. I'm trying to think if there are any other tales. I mean, there are just long, generic tails. You know, they get kind of fantastical, like, because they come in different lengths, right? You know, mm-hmm. like 15, 17, 20, 30, 40 inches. There's some that are like go all the way to the ground, or like you're meant to like throw up around your shoulder and wear around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tails are a big thing. I also like, I really, I'm a, kind of a big fan of the tail as like a general kind of kink fetish accessory, just because I think it's a fun kind of like handcuffs. It's like the handcuffs of like pet play. Okay. 
and like kind of role play in a lot of ways. It's like a new kind of, I think it's kind of the new version of like a nurse's outfit. Walk me like, through how, where, how using a tail works in, in a sexual experience. I mean, it's just a butt plug. So it's but like I mean, you put you, a butt plug in. acting it, like an animal a little bit or? I mean, maybe. I mean, it depends on what, you know, kind of role you're playing. So if you're fucking someone with the tail, it's like, yeah, I mean, imagine you like, do you want to get into the idea of like fucking, like if Casey had on like a cute fox tail, she's like a cute little kind of like fox person okay. and you're like fucking her like kind of animalistically like this fox. I don't know. It's just like an aesthetic that people kind of are into and also has like an easy built in identity in a weird way. Like if you're wearing a fox tail, you're, you kind of have like that character about you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, I don't know how to work someone in this with things. Like I hadn't really thought of tail. It's tails itself as a fetish until you brought it up. But it's like, yeah, I kind of just am into tails and I think it is an easy way for people to get into like kind of kinkier role play, a little more animalistic stuff, expand their minds a little bit. It's like, yeah, kind of like being a cute little bunny. You know, there were, there've been playboy bunnies for years. People, bunny mm-hmm. tails have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Now we have fox tails. People are foxy. Let's put give them fox tails. You know, mm-hmm. cute little kitty cat. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lick your come up. I'm gonna lick it up. I never use that voice, but I like it now. <laughs> um, I have to pee really badly. That's fine. You're not talking anyways. Okay. I'm just rambling about tails. You're like, let's make this the fetish, but I'm not gonna engage. So no, I know, and I just feel like I, maybe if I. Do you think people get off to the thought of other people killing themselves? I think that it's happened a few times famously or something. I mean, I think it's, I'm sure it's happened, but I mean, I don't think it's common. But I mean, like, if snuff is a fetish. Yeah. And we assume 9-11 is a fetish. Yeah. Don't you think there are people out there that get off to suicide? Sure. Like, to just to, yeah, to suicide itself? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's intense. Yeah. Just laying there and, like, thinking about suicide while you masturbate. Like, thinking about, like, all the steps. But you don't want to do it. Well, I mean, cause that's right. the thing. It's like, I mean, maybe they want to do it and that's the fascination. But, like, there's got to be people that don't want to kill themselves, but right, that but get off to other people killing themselves. Or to other people? Okay. I was thinking about just imagining your own suicide. I mean, I'm sure that's probably part of it, too. I mean, you know, you can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thinking about other people killing themselves? Yeah. Walking through the steps. How do I want them to do it? What kind of chair are they going to stand on before they step off it? You know? Yeah, I guess I just... They're, like, specific about the brand of razors they're going to buy, you know. You're going to shoot yourself with a shotgun? Better right. be a Remington. It's just interesting that you're seeing this in the second person in their fantasies. Well, and I'm that's just... The first that was just the more fascinating part of it to me, is somebody getting off to somebody else killing themselves. Because, like, I get... I guess I get empathized too closely with, yeah. like, the idea of, like, finding pleasure in the idea of killing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. 
like it's a place I've gone before. And so like, I get the idea of like that solace and that release well, and that the build up in the planning. No, for me, stuff. it would be about the after effect, the release and not having anything to worry about the relief from pressure and life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm just like, I, I can get, I guess I can get how if someone could like, I'm, it's, I'm not sexually attracted to it, but like, I've mm-hmm. gone there enough in my head. I can see the pleasurable elements that you would draw out in it. But what is fascinating to me is like, but that means there also has to be somebody. If somebody can be into getting, somebody can be into getting off about suicide. Somebody has to be into getting off about somebody else killing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what's that place? Uh. You just watch suicide documentaries and stuff. <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm always just fascinated at where people's heads go. Yeah. You know, cause some things when it's object oriented, it's like, sure, I can, any kind of benign object can be made an object of affection. Mm-hmm. But when it's an action, particularly one involving death, mm-hmm. that's like a different kind of, there's a different dimension to that kind of human experience. Yeah. Well, I don't get like sexually, I'd have to like figure out how to tie sex into it. But I mean, you know, the idea of like killing someone and having this moment where you're like, I just ended a human consciousness, like, and watching a human consciousness go away, like, that would clearly be an intense and interesting experience. Um, But I think also watching someone in the moments where they're choosing to end their own consciousness would be similarly interesting and intense. Just like, you know, totally. And and then less, you don't have, and then you don't have to be a murderer. Um, You know, you can watch that. But do you think there's some sense of superiority in it? it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like a sense of superiority of like, I'm here and you're not, I'm better than you. Could be for people. Yeah. Like watching, but I don't know. As I don't go there, I just think it's just inherently interesting. You know, death and suicide and these things are inherently interesting. But didn't occur to me. You know, like, you have a medical fantasy. Uh Could you not work an assisted suicide in there somehow? (laughs) I don't think that shit fits into my... Like being taken advantage of stuff. Like really, you're old. Someone convinces you you actually do, should die. It's better to go. But they're like, but before you go, we want to show you one final good time and send you off. Why not go off now on a high note rather than drag this out forever? Why not let us, these professional sex doctors, fuck you, and then you kill yourself? Yeah, I guess I just haven't you like really or you faced find, death in the eyes enough. Yeah, for or you this or you couldn't find that scenario. Even if you're not that person, you couldn't find like a scenario about a person being presented that offer and accepting it sexy, maybe where it's just somebody that's not you is presented like, look, you're dying, you're gonna die of this whatever disease. Let us like fuck you to death. Let us like oh. take care of you and fuck you a lot, and maybe and then we'll just inject you with a bunch of morphine and send you or, off well, into death. Yeah, we, we don't even have to do, to do the it. inject you to death, but we could just like make all your last days be just a constant train we want run on you or whatever, you know? Like no, but it needs to be the element of like deliberate choice of death Fine. needs to be there. It needs Fine. to be a suicidal type of thing. It can't be just you get fucked for seven days and die. 
<laughs> just just because you're thirsty. Don't make it that <laughs> biblical, Ariel. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I guess if you're like, okay, right at the moment of like when I seem the most orgasmic to you, whatever, like jump. Give me a gun, I'll pull the trigger. Or whatever's, yeah, the quickest, most surefire. No, God, oh God I couldn't They're like, sugar. look, we're in Oregon. We're doc- we we can, like, you know, you're somewhere where the doctors can't kill you, but you have to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Or the person has to kill themselves. God, why are you like at the this element? <laughs> because I've been thinking about suicide a lot recently, so I'm going to oh, talk. Okay. You brought up, fuck you. You brought up snuff and priest and 9-11 really? and all that's fine. But like I bring up suicide and you're like, oh, God, this is too no, real. No, I just what, mean. Because we all get sad sometimes and we've all been there. Yeah, that's why I'm like some people have to get off to it. Someone's yeah. got to masturbate. If we all think about killing ourselves because life sucks so fucking much all the time, someone's jerking off to it. For sure, a hundred percent somewhere else. So I'm just wondering what the fuck yeah. is going on with that. I'm just saying, yeah, it's interesting that you're adding the. You always add the element of choice. Like, okay, I have to masturbate to not only like everybody has a choice. To di- everybody has a die. choice. Why? Why is adding the element of choice bad? No, I'm just saying instead of, instead of just being like I agree that to get fucked to death, it has to be like I agree. That like, but then I have to literally pull the trigger myself. It's one thing if you say, okay, okay, like, hey, like, like, not in me or whatever. But like that samurai shit of like, I gotta kill myself. Yeah, you're committing suicide. Dude. You're not paying somebody to kill you. Then they be killing you. They would be charged with murder. You are killing yourself. I am not in a place where I feel like I could pull a trigger. Maybe if you gave me a button. I don't. I'm not in a place where I'm gonna pull a trigger myself either. But I'm just saying like. You know, like you can't like even in your medical thing, like work yourself into a fantasy where you could see it. I I mean, I could kind of see I've done I've done it in like alien again, the alien thing. It's because it's fantastical. So it's removed from me. But it's like, you know, sacrificing myself for the human race. Yeah. Like a lot of like sacrificial suicides, martyrdom in in weird ways, things like that. You know, I've thought about like you know, being held hostage and like sacrificing myself as a sex slave. And then, but then like people escaping, but not giving them the satisfaction and like killing myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not getting off to like the killing myself. It's just like, I've gone to like some weird dark places when getting off like that. And so it's just like the inevitability of like, I'm not making it out of the situations in my head. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, for me, it's not that big of a leap to like work that type of like self-sacrificial thing into it. So it just seems like, of course, people are out there going like, oh, I just like the idea of somebody killing themselves. Mm -hmm. The only reason I was bringing up in the medical context, it was just like the easiest way to like be like, okay, well, here's a good connection for you that gives you like a plausible moral justification for like killing yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that was the easiest like pathway in. Gotcha. I guess I shouldn't expect you to like form the, that fucking fantasy like right here in front of me on the spot, you know, but just, it's just, yeah. God, this has been a really shitty two fetishes of the week. <laughs> Neither one of these have been good, dude. I might just put them both in and just be like, look, man, you know, sometimes you swing and you miss. <laughs> sometimes, well, sometimes you've had a day where you're like, you're just like, so suicide. <laughs> That's funny. Huh? Ha ha ha! Oh, uh, hilarious! No. I don't know. <laughs> Tails. 
I just uh Dude, Tales can't be defended. That was such a okay. gay segment. It was just me going, here are the different types of tails. <laughs> Here's how you can wear some tails. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you know, about, you just have your tail in. I mean, like, you gotta talk about the psychological dynamics or whatever it is. This has been another NPR production out of Safe Space Studios. We're broadcasting on 66.6 FM. That's KFUX. Peace. This has been a hoo-ha-ha podcast.